Dissonance Media and the Other Stories presents Step into the abyss of After the Gloaming, a gothic fiction podcast that delves into the depths of human emotion. Unyielding love, revenge, internal struggles, and restless souls await you in nine haunting episodes where dread, fear, and rare glimpses of eerie happiness linger. Dare to listen on your favourite podcatcher? After the gloaming beckons, search now, but beware, innocence will be left behind. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. These aren't the stories your mother told you. No, these are the other stories. <laughs> <laughs> Hey, I couldn't help but notice you were listening to a podcast right at this very moment. With that, I imagine you're probably a podcast fan. Well, then you might be interested to hear some of our and our regular collaborators' other shows. The Night's End podcast was created by TOS narrator Jimmy Horace himself, James Barnett. With a focus on dark fiction, it will leave you screaming for the Night's End before each story is through. Miscreation is a horror audio drama podcast bringing you scary stories performed by a band of actors at the Acast studio in London. Season 1 is available now. The Misterhood of the Travelling Tales explores the various creatures and beings in mythologies around the world, area by area from east to west. And Tales of What, a bizarro fiction podcast for all the people who like their fiction from the weird side of town. The Twilight Zone meets Adult Swim, The Outer Limits, directed by David Lynch. Season 1 and 2 are available right now on your favourite podcast app. Today's episode is The Pruning, written by Andrew Maple and narrated by Justin Fife. John Van Newman is. I heard Agent Ramsey's voice question over the helicopter blades. I just assumed such a stupid question couldn't possibly be directed at me. And yet... Dr. Feldman, do you copy? Of course I know who Von Newman was. 
He was only the greatest mathematician, physicist, computer scientist, and engineer to ever walk the face of the earth. Most children want to be athletes. I wanted to be him. I was hoping you'd say something like that. Agent Ramsey's smirk unsettled me, and my insecurity was only made worse by his dark aviator glasses blocking out his eyes. Agent Ramsey was filled with the secret knowledge hidden behind a smirk and glasses. I needed that knowledge. So, I assume you are also familiar with the concept of the von Neumann probe. A theoretical self-replicating probe. A very interesting concept, I can't deny. Also, a very dangerous one. If left unchecked, a fully functioning von Neumann probe could self-replicate until there's nothing left in the galaxy except other probes. We're years away from being able to develop a viable prototype. Ramsey nodded his head, never letting go of his smirk. Are you telling me that the government has developed an actual von Neumann probe? I think it would be easier if I uh, just showed you. Agent Ramsey pointed out the window at nothing. Just more Arizona desert, crawling with arachnids and reptiles. We're almost there. When the helicopter landed, Agent Ramsey led me north of the landing site. When we were ten feet away, the helicopter came to life and flew away, leaving us stranded. Where is he going? Nowhere of importance, Ramsey replied. Yet another secret. We walked for another 22 minutes exactly. Agent Ramsey had confiscated my phone and watch earlier, but I have learned not to be so reliant on such devices. Agent Ramsey ordered me to stop and we turned around and walked back the way we came. After 10 minutes and 12 seconds of backtracking, we came upon a metal stairway leading down into the earth. Needless to say, the stairway wasn't there 32 minutes and 12 seconds ago. After you, doctor, Ramsey gestured towards the stairway. Where does this lead? I asked after already starting down the stairs. Somewhere of importance, Ramsey answered. By the time we reached the bottom of the stairs, I could see my own breath. We came upon a metal door, and Agent Ramsey handed me a fur coat that fell down to my ankles and a pair of gloves. You'll want these, he said as he donned the exact same apparel. After passing the retinal scanner, Ramsey led me through the doorway and into a room the size of a professional sports arena. Except there were no screaming fans or hot dog vendors here. Only a giant object in the middle of where the field should be. I was unable to deduce what the object was, and I never would have guessed either. Ramsey led me across a catwalk which ran perpendicular across the room. When we were halfway across, I still had no idea what mysterious object lay below me. The only observation I could make was that it was moving ever so slightly, almost as if it was breathing, but wrong. It was at this point I stopped and leaned over the railing to get a better look. What is that thing? I asked, and don't say nothing of importance. It is something of importance, but uh, I think it would be better if I allowed her to explain. I leaned back from the railing and saw a woman walking towards us from the other side. She wore the same heat-conserving outfit as Ramsey and I had. I hadn't noticed her before because the mystery in the middle of the room stole my attention. Hello, Dr. Feldman. My name is Henrietta Hyde. 
She reached out her gloved hand and we shook, but my eyes never left the thing in the middle. Nice to meet you, Mrs. Height. If you'll pardon me, I must know what that is. I've never seen anything like it in my life. A smirk very similar to Agent Ramsey's crept across her face. Dr. Feldman, I would like to introduce you to John Van Newman. My eyes opened wide as garage doors. What? I, 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 don't, I don't understand. What? Henrietta laughed as she turned and headed down the rest of the catwalk. I don't expect you to. Not yet, at least. As I walked down the catwalk after her, I looked down and saw what could be mistaken for the face of the being she claimed was von Neumann. It had markings of eyes, a nose, and a mouth, but the actual facial features were gone, almost as if a child had erased them. When we reached the base level of the complex, I was shown into the laboratory, where we had access to state-of-the-art tools while never losing sight of the creature in the middle. I think you left me in suspense long enough, Dr. Height. I stood in front of the giant window at the head of the laboratory, still gawking at what lay outside. Well, Doctor, as I'm sure you're aware, von Neumann spent a large portion of his life researching the viability of self-replicating probes that- Yes, I interrupted. I know what a von Neumann probe is. Can we skip to what the hell is in front of me? Long story short, John Van Neumann created a formula that he believed would force any machine to become self-replicating. He was never able to get his formula to work on non-sentient machinery. Wait, you said machinery? I questioned. What is the human body if not a machine with all its parts working together? Height answered. Von Neumann was many things, but a patient man was not one of them. One day he created a new formula. He was so confident in its probability of success that he ignored all safety measures and tested it on himself. The result is what lays before you today. So... This information took even me time to process. The formula activated something within his cells and forced them to replicate. However, judging from his size, you can't stop it. You can only slow it down, which explains the cold. Exactly. The cold slows down his molecular growth and allows us to prune him whenever required. Prune? I asked. Radiation. Even with the cold slowing down his growth, there's too much. Monthly radiation treatments help keep it in check. With that much radiation, how is he not dead? Frankly, we don't know. The formula was destroyed when he rapidly expanded and destroyed his whole laboratory. Whatever is in the formula, it is keeping him alive. What about his arms and legs? Step one of the pruning. We had his arms and legs removed. Maintaining his torso and head is hard enough. How did you dispose of them once removed? Another smirk crept across her face. Let's just say... Von Neumann is the world's largest meat manufacturer in the world. What is that? I asked as I pointed to a series of wires that connected Von Neumann's head to an army of computers. Remember what I said about the human body being a machine? Well, the mind is just a computer, and Von Neumann's mind is the most powerful computer in the world. 
And even though he lost the ability to speak years ago, he is still able to make scientific breakthroughs and deliver them to us through those computers. We're also able to feed him new data from the outside world. A scientist such as yourself make breakthroughs. Although, if I'm to be completely honest, we get more data than we give. Unfortunately, communication is difficult. His brain works so fast that our computers are lucky to pick up anything. Having a conversation is out of the question, but that's where you come in. What am I supposed to do? Von Neumann recently gave us a blueprint for a communication device, a neural uplink that will allow the user to directly interface with Von Neumann himself. If his brain moves half as fast as you say it does, anyone who tries to link minds with him will have their brains turned into mush in a nanosecond. That's what we thought. Except his blueprints came with one very specific instruction: call. Dr. Feldman. So, here you are. Dr. Feldman, I totally understand the risks involved with this, and no one will think less of you if you don't want... Are you kidding me? I interjected. The greatest mind the world has ever known wants to interface with me. Can you imagine the knowledge locked away in that brain? I'm going to do it, Dr. Hyde, and I just hope that some of that knowledge rubs off on me. It was no time at all before Dr. Hyatt had me fastened with a device of von Neumann's design. It seemed as if her curiosity was as strong as mine. Agent Ramsey stood guard in the corner. The device was the second largest thing in the room, second only to von Neumann himself. From one side of the device came a jumble of wires too numerous to count. Those wires ran directly into von Neumann's head. They were not gently placed either. They were stabbed in, and some even drew blood. However, his skin quickly grew over the inserted wires. I imagine removing them would be a serious labor. Don't worry, we'll use a gentler method with you. Height must have caught me staring at the wire intrusions. From the other end of the device came only two wires. Height attached one of each to my temples. Fortunately, she was not lying, and they simply lay over the top of the skin. I was almost insulted by the imbalance of wires. However, I knew that in a matter of moments. All of that knowledge would either be mine, or I would be dead. Are you ready? Hyde asked. The rubber mouthpiece made it hard to talk, so I just shook my head. With a flip of a switch, I felt von Neumann enter my mind and destroy it. It was the most painful experience of my life, but it could not have lasted more than two nanoseconds. Shortly after destroying my mind, he began to reconstruct it. Only this time, he made it better, installing bits of information I could not have fathomed previously. All at once, the answers came to me: the solution to the Fermi paradox, a blueprint for the functioning tachyonic anti-telephone, the exact formula that made Van Neumann what he was today. But below all of it, in a subtle voice, were the words, "I'm sorry." Too quickly, the machine was turned off, and I was sucked out of my bliss. Why'd you do that? I shouted, vaguely aware of the spit covering my front. Your vitals—they were, my God, I—I don't even know how to describe it. Hyde said, "Put me back in." 
Suddenly, my head began to pound. I don't think that's a good idea. I think you should rest. There's a room prepared for you in the back. Before I could interject, Ramsey was carrying me through a series of hallways. By the time we reached the room, my mind was still swimming with ideas I could barely comprehend. Ramsey laid me down, and I suddenly felt so tired. The human mind was not meant to take in so much information so quickly. My brain was fatigued. It needed to rest. Ramsey left the room before I could ask him to turn the heat on. It was still so cold. The sleep I had was the best of my life. My brain never slowed down. It was still working overtime trying to process all the data. Simply put, I was in paradise. When I awoke, I was no longer in the room Ramsey had placed me in. Instead, I was back in the arena where Von Neumann had once been, except I lay in his place. My mind felt fine, better than fine actually, but my body felt slow, sluggish, and cold. No matter how hard I tried, I couldn't move. He's awake, Ramsey said. I'll talk to him, Hyde said. Good morning, Dr. Feldman. I'm sure you're confused about where you are. There were uh, complications with your conversation with Von Neumann. Whatever the machine did, it reacted poorly with the formula in Von Neumann's body, and he died. However, it somehow was passed along to you. We discovered this when Ramsey went to wake you and you outgrew your clothes overnight. Fortunately, the cold prevented rapid spread. It is my duty to inform you that you will be staying here permanently. We can't run the risk of you getting out. I'm sorry. Sorry for what? I wanted to ask, but my lips had grown attached. He didn't only transfer his formula to me. He transferred everything. Every scrap of knowledge he possessed was now mine. I was in paradise. And then the pruning started. I hope you enjoyed today's episode of The Other Stories. The Pruning was written by Andrew Maple, narrated by Justin Fife, edited by Carl Hughes, with music by Daniel Birch and Tom Robson, and sound effects provided by freesound.org and zapsblatt.com. The episode illustration was provided by Luke Spooner of Carry On House. You can help support the show over at patreon.com forward slash hawk and cleaver. You can join our book club, movie club and writing exercises over at facebook.com forward slash groups forward slash hawk and cleaver. T-shirts, mugs, posters and comic books are available at gumroad.com forward slash hawk and cleaver. And you can get help with your short stories and your podcasts by heading over to theotherstories.net forward slash services. The Other Stories is a production of the story studio Hawk and Cleaver and is brought to you with a Creative Commons attribution, non-commercial, no derivatives license. That means don't change it, don't sell it, but by all means share the hell out of it. Until next time. Hold up. 
What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Hello, Fresh. 